uh, back at it. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I am Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Mr. Southern Hills is with us. Colby, what's going on? Go Pokes. Let's go win a natty today, Carson. That is today. They, uh, we're going to talk a lot about the OSU women's golf team. But I mentioned you were at Southern Hills. How was that? You were up there for the uh, senior PGA? Oh, dude, it's unbelievable. It's the shape that they've gotten that course in with all of the hits that golf courses took from the winter storm that we got this year. I mean, you would never know that it came through. I posted some pictures uh, yesterday on the 73rd hole Twitter account, and it's just, man, it is pristine. It is perfect. And watching guys like Ernie Els and BJ Singh hit the ball, it's just, it is remarkable at their age for them to hit the golf ball the way they do. It really doesn't look like they've lost much at all. They just smooth it out there in the middle of the fairway, knock a seven iron up to 15 feet, tap it in and move on. It's, it's impressive. And Southern Hills is impressive. Yeah. I, I haven't been there since I was up there to watch Tiger on the Saturday. Uh, that he shot a 63 and a half. I think that, that wasn't that Saturday round he did that or was that Friday? Uh, I believe it was, yeah, it was Friday. He shot okay. the, the 62 and a half. Cause he shot 60, yeah, 62 and a half. Yeah. He shot 63 and the putt for 62 was halfway down. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the last time I was there. I've been meaning to get up there, but I just haven't. And, uh, it's going to be a spectacular event, and obviously Phil Mickelson will be the defending champ there next summer when the when the actual PGA Championship comes to Southern Hills as well. So that's that's exciting. Uh, we're in peak golf season, and before we talk about the OSU women's golf team, who are just on an incredible run right now, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. All day, every day, they offer free standard shipping on orders over 50 bucks, so you don't even need to be in Stillwater if you want to get some, some OSU Spirit wear. Obviously, it's a it's a great time to to purchase some OSU spirit wear, Colby. Because oh, I was talking about this last night with Brian Keating at the at the TV station. OSU's good at everything, every sport. Yeah. They're, they're literally good at everything. It's it's amazing the the athletic department they have right now. Yeah, it really is. I mean, nothing. I mean, we're looking right now. We've got Bedlam baseball tonight as Oklahoma State looks to get hot and maybe win the Big 12 tournament. We've got the softball girls in a super regional hosting this Friday, starting this Friday against Texas. We've got the women uh, on the golf side competing for a national title today. The men will be teeing it up at Greyhawk starting Friday, chasing a national title, and they're one of the favorites for it. It's just, I mean, life is good right now. Life is really good. They're good at tennis in both men and women's. They're yeah, good soccer, at cross women's soccer. Soccer cross country track i mean you can't equestrian they they vie for a national title every year in that sport i mean every single sport is is highly competitive if not if not good to great so it's it's a fun spring a fun time of year with all these sports they have going on but let's do start with the women's golf team colby you know they they were like the seventh seed entering stroke play they played really well in stroke play to earn the number three seed and stanford who just ran away with the stroke play Loses in the first round, the opposite side of the bracket. So OSU beats Auburn to move on to face Duke, who was a defending national champion. And we got to watch the, all the matches yesterday on Golf Channel, which is just tremendous. This is why I know we get frustrated with stroke play on the men's side and how it's cost them a few national titles. And, and Mike Holder readily admits that. But I do think the match play is just better for the sport. I mean, it's such a better viewing experience. More people will watch. More, there's certainly more interest in it than there ever has been before. And so, and it gives a team like OSU in the women's side a chance to win a national championship because they go up against the number two seed of the defending national champion, Duke. And Colby, they just, 
they just mollywopped them. I mean, it wasn't close. They won all five matches, essentially. They didn't finish a couple, but, man, they, they really took it to the Blue Devils. Yeah, I mean, from the time that Oklahoma State teed off yesterday morning, there were 10 matches played. Oklahoma State went 9-1 and one in the 10 matches, beat Auburn 4-1-0, and then beat Duke 5-0 in the five matches. I do like the match play format. It's, you know, the best team doesn't always win the national title. That's college sports. That's sports in general. Uh, ask, ask Kentucky basketball and Kansas basketball and Duke basketball how much they like the single elimination tournament that costs them national championships all the time. Sure, it hurts Oklahoma State sometimes, but it's the format. I like it. Tee it up and go win your match. That's all I can say. And that's what Oklahoma State's been doing. Maya Stark looks absolutely unbeatable. She is just a machine. She's the seventh-ranked amateur in the world. Uh, one of only, I think, five or six players to make the cut at the Augusta National Women's Amateur in 2019 and 2021. She also had the low round of the day at Augusta National earlier this year. She's a machine. Uh, Isabella Fierro has been playing great. She's won both of her matches. And then the other girls are playing great as well. Bailey Tatamatsu and Henson Tolshard are, are playing great golf. So I think Oklahoma State, Carson, I think I would actually have to make them the favorites heading in to the final round. Ole Miss yesterday, they played Texas uh, in the morning, looked like they were dead in the water, won two matches in extra holes to win three to two. And then they just narrowly escaped Arizona yesterday, three to two. So Oklahoma State has been much more dominant. Uh, it's just a matter of the pressure. You know, you sleep on, on uh, playing for a national title, your season's on the line, everything you've played for. I don't know if you know this, Carson, this would be the first national championship in Oklahoma State on the Oklahoma State history on the women's side. So there's a lot at stake today at Greyhawk. Yeah, not just golf, just any women's sport. OSU has not won a national championship, which is remarkable when you consider Crazy. how many national championships OSU's won. You know, they're they're in the top 10, maybe close to the top five in, in total team national championships. So that that's a remarkable stat. And you're right, it's not a fair I don't think it's the fairest way to crown a champion but you know because obviously match play it, it really levels the, the playing field you know Oklahoma State men they're they're the best team usually every year but they haven't won the national title in a while so that that's certainly or I guess they won with with Wolf and Hovland but past that it's been a somewhat of a drought for OSU golf because they were used to winning titles every other year so yeah, it's I not think the, they went from 2006 to 2018 without one right which is a huge drought for OSU golf yeah. and so that's not the fairest way, but certainly on the women's side, it's going to be fun to watch because they, they do have that international flavor we've talked about with the men's team. You know, Stark from Sweden, Fierro from Mexico, Bailey from England, Tadamatsu from Thailand, and Tolshard from Australia. They have the international flavor just like the men's team. And you're, you're so right about the pressure because OSU yesterday, the Cowgirls were absolutely flushing it. They were just knocking down flags. And it's, it's amazing, Colby, how dominant they were in all five matches, considering I watched them miss probably five putts of five feet or less. I mean, they, they gave away five holes and still dominated. That's how good they were hitting the ball. Yeah, it really is amazing, especially, I mean, kid just can't say enough about Stark and how well she's playing. And same with Isabella Fierro. They're just hitting the ball so, so good. And those greens – Man, those greens are tricky. They've got those pins in some spots, or they did yesterday anyway, where, you know, you, you get four and five footers that you have to start outside the hole. And anybody who's a golfer knows that it is uncomfortable to stand over a four-footer and have to start it outside the hole and let it break back. And I felt like there were a lot of those yesterday at Greyhawk. I, uh, I was up at Southern Hills, but I spent the majority of my day in the media center. I've, I've injured my back a little bit, so I was just kind of hanging out in a nice comfy chair watching 
the NCAA uh, women's match play. And yeah, there were a lot of short putts missed by a lot of teams, but it wasn't necessarily, uh, didn't seem like anybody had the yips to me or like the pressure was getting to them. There were just some difficult four and five footers on that course that had four or five inches of break to them. Those are tough putts to make, but the way Oklahoma State's hitting the ball, man, they're going to be tough to beat. I just, I cannot wait. I'm actually heading back up to Tulsa today, uh, leaving the house at about six o'clock our time, which will be right in the middle of it. But my plan is to make my wife drive and watch it on my phone the entire way up. So that's the plan. <laughs> what a wife. Right? What a, what a great woman. Yeah, She's that's awesome. Uh, I was in Stillwater yesterday doing working on a project, and I ran into Mike Holder. And <laughs> obviously all the, all the talk in the athletic department that day was they just the women's team had just beaten Auburn. They were about to face Duke. Everyone was fired up about the golf. And I, I just kind of mentioned to him, like, hey, man, didn't Stanford win the stroke play by like 13 shots? And they, they lost in the first round. And he, he looks at me kind of deadpan and goes, well, our men's team won it by 30 shots one year and, and didn't and lost in the match play. And I go, hey, Mike, I, I didn't want to bring it up. I didn't want to bring that up. But you, you brought that up. And I wanted to say, well, Mike, that was your idea, wasn't it, to play match play? But he, he was very quick to remind me that that's happened to OSU in the past, too, with the men's team. Oh, yeah, it definitely has. And, you know, Stanford this year was the best team on the women's side. You know, the number one seed on the women's side has never won since they switched to match play. Same with the men, right? Uh, the men, I think it's been done. It's, it's still pretty rare. Usually the number did, one seed doesn't go on to win, but I think it has been done on the men's side. Unless they did it last year, which I don't think so. I think Stanford won it last year and they were, they were, they barely got in the stroke play. I don't, I'm fairly confident the men have never, the number one seed has never won because I've used that as, as a reasoning when we break down match play versus stroke play and how it doesn't crown the best team because the number one seed has never won it. Um, maybe OSU was number one when they won it, actually, now that I think about it. I think they were at Karsten Creek. Yeah, they, they, they definitely won the stroke play that year and, and the match play. Yeah, so maybe that was the only one, though. I think that, that definitely is the only one that I can recall because before that it hadn't happened. So. No post. Yeah, so that that's that's big time. Can't wait to watch the uh, the women's golf team. That that's a lot of fun, and uh, they're out at Greyhawk. That's where the men will be too. So that's going to be a, a fun event uh, later in the week. Uh, I guess that starts on the twenty eighth. The men's side does as well. So that's that's later in the week, as well. Uh, we mentioned softball hosting a super regional. Everyone in Stillwater, I was up there, was fired up for this as well. They're the number five overall seed, and they get Texas again. Colby, a team they swept in the regular season. The, the old cliche is it's hard to beat a, a team twice. Was it, is it hard to beat a team five times? Because they, they're 3-0 they're and o against them, and they need to win two to get to uh, the Women's College World Series. I think it's hard to beat a team three times if that team is on your level and you are equals and you've already beaten them twice. But <laughs> if that team's not on your level and you're not equals, no, I don't think it's tough. And I don't even think this is going to go to a third game. Oklahoma State – I think is significantly better than Texas this year. Them sweeping them in the regular season was not a fluke. Texas had to work really hard to get out of the regional. They got Oregon in their region and uh, ended up losing a game three to two to Oregon and they had to play a, a game seven in the regional. And then Texas won that one, one to nothing to move on. Whereas Oklahoma State just completely obliterated everyone in its regional went three and oh scored 29 runs only gave up five and they mercy ruled uh in a couple of those so i'm maybe i'm too optimistic and too confident in oklahoma, oklahoma state softball but i think that they're going to not necessarily roll the horns i don't think they're going to mercy rule them or anything like that but i think they'll beat them friday they'll beat them saturday and they'll be headed to oklahoma city 
I hope you're right. I mean, the thing I love the most about the Cowgirls is they're so well balanced in their regional. They scored 29 runs and allowed just five. They're not just they're not just doing it with their bats and getting by with pitching. They have elite pitching and they obviously can hit a ton of home runs. We've seen that a lot in Stillwater throughout the regular season and the regional. I will say this though. Texas has the Big 12 leader in ERA. Their their pitcher is is outstanding. Uh, let's see. Uh, Shay O'Leary leads the Big 12 with a 0.65 ERA. Uh, so that that could pose some problems because in you know we we talk about this a lot, Colby, in softball. You can just have one pitcher and just ride them the whole way. So they'll they'll have to outduel probably the best pitcher uh, in the Big 12. Although the best pitcher in the Big 12 was was OSU, so they, they like their chances as well. But that that is one thing to watch out for with with Texas. Yeah, I think that we should go ahead and give her a nice friendly welcome to Stillwater on Friday in the form of a couple of home runs to deep left field. I will say this though, uh, looking at the weather, I've been studying the weather all week because senior PGA is this week. So I want to know what direction the wind's coming from. The wind actually might be blowing in on Friday and Saturday uh, from left field. And if it is, I mean, obviously it just plays a, a lot different. Usually you're in a 15 to 20 mile an hour South wind. The ball really carries out to left field. All of a sudden you get a 10 mile an hour North wind you've got to really crank one to get it over the fence. So it might be a battle of small ball the first couple of days before I think the wind starts to shift back to the south on Sunday. But also, those forecasts can change all the time. So who knows? Yeah, uh, that's next level of scouting, knowing when the wind, where the wind's blowing. I can tell you play a lot of golf since you know the wind direction for the uh, that's softball. That's golf brain. That's major yeah. golf brain checking the wind every day a week <laughs> in advance. Uh, it's going to be a fun night in Bricktown as well, Colby. We got Bedlam baseball right off the jump in the 4-5 matchup, Oklahoma State. Uh, they've, this will be the sixth time they've played this year. O, OSU lost the regular season series, but they won more games. So it's a, a big a big game for OSU, Colby. You know, they, they've kind of fallen to the 4-5 matchup, whereas entering the year they were considered one of the best teams in the Big 12. So a, a big game for, for OSU to kind of keep their season on track. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, you need to go out tonight and you need to get a big win. Uh, I am kind of annoyed at the overlap. I think we talked about this last week, the overlap between the, the baseball tournament and the golf tournament this week at Southern, because then I don't get to go hang out at the, the ballpark. If you haven't just gone and hung out at the ballpark, it's a blast. The weather's supposed to be nice. Highly, highly recommend it. Yep. It's always a big time event and it's going away. I mean, it's going down to the new Rangers stadium. Uh, so if you want to check out a big 12 tournament, if you've never been there for the Bricktown ballpark, a big 12 tournament, you need to get it down there because it's, it's going away in the near future. So that's something to look forward to this weekend as well. Uh, let's see here. I wanted to get into this story, Colby. You know, Mike Gundy, as, as zany as he can be and as, as some of his takes can be kind of misconstrued and he can be misunderstood at times, I think Gundy has been very, very forward-thinking in terms of the sport of college football. You know, he, he was advocating for an 18 playoff for years, and he got even a four-team back when they were – shut out by uh, Alabama in 2011 that's come to fruition he's there's other things that he's he's talked about that have come to fruition as well like two signing periods Gundy really has been a forward thinker and really called for things that have that have come to be and the latest is he's talking about just what the logjam is with recruiting in terms of all the college transfers and when Jalen McCleskey transferred to Tulane Mike Gundy really brought up the fact that this is going to change the sport and it's going to hurt the the high school kids because not as many high school kids are going to get signed because why would you, especially this year with COVID, you can take a transfer that's, a, that's already a freshman in college who's been through a weight program and is a year older 
as a true freshman now with eligibility as opposed to a high school kid. So Gundy talked a lot about this and it's becoming a big story in, in college football. Yeah, it definitely is. Mike Gundy was ahead of the curve on this. I'll, I'll say this about high school athletes. Yes, there will be less uh, scholarships available for them at some of these bigger schools. But now that you've got the one-time transfer waiver, I really think that this, and, and you know, you kind of hate this for a program like, let's just use Tulsa. For example, Tulsa's in-state, it's easy for everybody to comprehend. You know, a guy who maybe in years past would have been able to go to OU or OSU as a, let's say, high three-star recruit and, you know, sit for a couple of years, hopefully eventually make his way onto the field. You never know how it's going to turn out. What if this guy now goes to Tulsa instead, lights it up at Tulsa for two years because he's good enough to get on the field right away? You've got a one-time free transfer. Now go to Oklahoma or Oklahoma State. It, uh, it, it's going to change things, but I haven't yet, like I'm not ready to make the leap and say that it's totally going to change things for the worse. I think we have to see it play out and see how schools handle it. Uh, now there is a certain level of integrity here with programs, with coaches, with what they tell kids and what they commit to. And then do they, do they backtrack on that? Similar to what uh, TCU did with Dominic Richardson, where they promised something to him, something better came along and they bailed on him. You still want programs to be honest with kids and, and do all this stuff with integrity. Um, but yeah, I mean, things are changing. It's going to be heavily recruiting the transfer portal, getting guys with experience on campus. And high school players might have to go to a lower level. And it'll just be interesting, Carson, to see whether the non-Power 5 programs essentially turn into a farm system for Power 5 schools, because I think that's the most fundamental way to break this down to its core. That kind of seems like the direction it's heading, no? No, I, I agree with you. That's certainly the way it's heading. And I do think I, I am with you that we need to see it play out, too, because I do think it's a, t a little bit of an overreaction just because of COVID and the super senior factor. There's not as much turnover this particular year because the guys all got extra years. So a lot of the seniors that be moving on and having that roster turnover and the need for high school recruits has gone way down just in this one calendar year. But Todd Berry, the executive director of the American Football Coaches Association says, quote, recruiting off other campuses is going to be the norm and high school recruiting is going to go away. I don't think there's any way around that unless the 25 initials get changed, initial scholarships. I don't think that's a hypothetical. I think that's a fact because I know what the coaches are going to do because we're on these calls together. So that is certainly something to keep an eye on. I do think Mike Gunny's done a tremendous job in the transfer portal. That's Everyone's had to adjust with that. I mean, you just look at the way they were able to, not even the transfer portal, the way they were able to get Kendall Daniels away from Texas A&M. That was a huge get. So it's just, it's just another thing that we have to watch out for with college football. Lincoln Riley says, quote, there's without a doubt going to be less high school players getting scholarship. If a player leaves your roster, then you replace them with a transfer. You had to use an initial to bring that player on. And then you've got to use another to bring in a new transfer. So the more the initials get used up, every one of them takes away from a high school guy that you could sign. So, but I'm with you though, Colby. I think we have to wait and see it play out, but it is a concern for uh, the high school kids, no doubt. Well, there yes. we go. We're on Zoom. Sometimes we get muted. Um, okay. I was just going to say, I, I do think that there will still be high school recruiting. Like, I'm not ready to say that that's going to go away. It'll just be, it'll be different. It, it's, and I'm not ready again to say it'll be better or worse. It'll be different. I still think the elite high school kids, I mean, if you're four and five star recruits, those kids are still going to find homes. 
but two and three star recruits um, might have to go somewhere that they don't want to go right off the bat. Like I said, I mean, a kid that wants to go power five, that might not be an option. Whereas a few years ago, maybe it would have been so, uh, but you, you never know. Sometimes that puts a kid in a better situation. Look at Zayvon Collins. He goes to Tulsa, he develops, he turns into a star at Tulsa, and then he's a middle first round pick in the NFL draft. Uh, I did see Tulsa had a couple of starting corners that entered the portal yesterday. One kid had offers from like Texas, Notre Dame. And so, I mean, you're already kind of seeing some of that. He went to Texas or pardon me. He went to Tulsa. He was really good. Now he's got offers from big programs and he's got to do what's best for him. And I, I can't fault the kid for that in the slightest. No, nope, I'm with you. Uh, this was ironic. Uh, yesterday when I was in Stillwater, the name Justin Blackman came up just in casual conversation with some of the people that work at OSU, because I think we're, we're actually discussing how this year's the 10 year anniversary of the 2011 team, which just blows my mind that it's been 10 years since that 2011 team won the big 12 and, and won the Fiesta bowl. But Justin Blackman kind of came up in conversation and not an hour later, this cryptic post from, from Blackman surfaced on Instagram where he hinted at a comeback with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, he has to go through a vetting process, but I tell you what, Colby, I don't care what kind of state physically Blackman's in. He can catch better passes. He's a better pass catcher than Tim Tebow is. So I would love to see it. Oh, he's definitely a better pass catcher than Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow being there is a joke. Uh, I'll, I'll say this. I don't think Blackman makes his way back into the league. It's just, it is so hard to be out for as long as he has been out and then come back and be at the same level as guys who have been doing this and who've been doing it every single day with their bodies, with study, just everything. I just think it's so hard to be out for that long and then come back. I mean, never say never, obviously you can see what happens. Uh, but I, I don't, I don't really see it happening. Who knows? Maybe they bring him in for a tryout and, and he impresses, but I think uh, at 31 years old, I, I, as long as he's been out of the league, I just, I don't see it. And it's a bummer because he was um, in my, my collegiate career, whenever I was at Oklahoma state, he was the most fun player in any sport that I watched. He was an absolute blast. He is probably for me, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't old enough to remember watching Barry Sanders at OSU, but yeah. for me, and I'm talking not just OSU, he's the most dominant college football player I've ever seen with my own two eyes. And I covered just about every game that year in 2011. I was right there for all those games down the field. And he was essentially Barry Sanders dominant at the wide receiver position. You just go through his numbers. He won two Blitnikoffs. We, we know all those things. I don't know what kind of state he's in. I've heard he's down in Ardmore where he's from. Uh, I don't know if he's clean. I don't know anything about him, but I would love to see him attempt to make a comeback because to me, it's, it's one of the saddest stories I've ever seen for a guy who you know, was a top five pick in the NFL draft, one of the most dominant college football players I've ever seen, and just had some some personal problems, and that's led to his uh, career coming to an end. But I'd love to see him back. Uh, Jacksonville seems to like getting headlines. They, they they pick up Urban Meyer, they get the number one pick in Trevor Lawrence, and then they sign Tim Tebow to sell jerseys. So Jacksonville's at least trying to be relevant, but uh, we'd have to wait and see. Hopefully Blackman can make a comeback, but that was – Certainly interesting that he came up in casual conversation and then all of a sudden was was in the news. But Colby, you I, and I, I haven't... Say just, just real quick before we get off that, him making a comeback is more realistic than Tebow making one because Blackman was actually elite at the position that he'd be coming back at, whereas Tim Tebow's just out there for God knows what reason. Only reason he's out there is because Urban Meyer's the coach and he clearly has a soft spot for Tim Tebow. So that's kind of a joke. 
you know what Tebow's going to do is they're going to get on the goal line and they're going to run that silly Tebow dozer package and he's going to do a jump pass and that's going to be like his entire NFL career just that that one play he, he's not going to play tight end I mean he might not even make the roster who knows but that's neither here nor there you and I haven't talked about the uh, PGA championship Phil winning was just Honestly, Colby, one of the coolest things I've seen in sports. Uh, to me, it's more shocking than Tiger winning the Masters because Phil was 200 to one. Tiger was playing really well leading into that Masters, played really well at the match play, won the Tour Championship the year before. Uh, Phil winning was incredible. And Ricky Fowler, T8, I mean, he got a special exemption into this tournament. A lot of people question that. But uh, Ricky really showed well, and it was, it was just great to see him, Colby, kind of rediscover some form. Yeah, I mean, just the Sunday orange, Carson. Just seeing the Sunday orange uh, was so good whenever he went off with speed. And he played a great round of golf. T8 is awesome. Huge bummer that he couldn't make par on 18. Par on 18 would have gotten him a top five finish, would have gotten him into uh, the Masters next year. Now I have to earn his way in otherwise through world rankings or getting a win and getting an exemption. But it seems like he's starting to put things together. Wells Fargo a few weeks ago, great first round, not so great on Friday, misses the cut. Same thing with Byron Nelson. Good Thursday round, not so great Friday round. This, this week, Ricky kind of put four solid rounds together and got himself in the top 10 at a major championship. So I'm not predicting a win or anything anytime soon, but Ricky is talented enough and has been good at golf long enough that you would think that he can make some sort of comeback and at some point be a winner on the PGA tour again. So all we can do now is just wait and watch and hope that it all comes together for him. Yeah. To me, he rediscovered his putting form, putted really well. That's the thing that's been holding him back the most, but I think one of the bigger problems besides just his his overall game kind of going south on him, Colby, is, you know, Ricky, he's a little bit caught between generations in that the way the PGA Tour is played now from week to week, you have to be, hit it 330. You, you bomb it off the tee and hit wedge. But I think where Ricky's real strengths are is this tournament, like we saw, tough conditions, wind, have to have to be creative around the greens. I think... Ricky's hurt by just the, the driving range golf we see week to week on the PGA Tour because I always said that the first major I thought Ricky was going to win was a British Open because he's such a good win player. It takes a lot of creativity. And just that to me, that's why he's played so well in majors, has so many top tens, is that when the, when the conditions get tough, his skill really shines through. And I think we saw that in the PGA Championship. Yeah, I think so, too. You know, that uh, those conditions are good for him. I mean, all those guys, Victor Hovland even, you know, he faded a little bit on the weekend, but he had the great Thursday round. Those guys are used to playing in wind. Wind helps those guys. And I'm looking forward to having the Open Championship again this year because we didn't have it last year. It's crazy. Shane Lowry's been the reigning Open champ for almost two years. Dustin Johnson got to be the Masters champ for all about five months. So uh, looking forward to that event and hopefully – I mean, it's just crazy to me, Carson, all the great, I mean, elite level golfers that have come through Oklahoma State, and the only major is the 1986 uh, holdout from the bunker by Tway. That's just crazy. Somebody wearing orange and black has got to hoist a trophy at one of these majors sooner rather than later. Yeah, that would be sweet. Uh, maybe Victor can get one coming up in the U.S. Open. When is the U.S. Open? Is that That's coming up pretty soon, isn't it? That is June 17th through the 20th at Torrey Pines South. Okay, yeah. Tory Pines, Phil's uh Phil's hometown. Maybe yep. he can go back to back and get his first US Open. Yep. That uh, would be uh that'd be pretty sweet. That would be pretty sweet. Okay, before we get out of here, Colby, I wanted to introduce a new segment I'm calling What's Tripping Your Trigger? What is something that you want to get off your chest, something that may be bothering you, something that uh something that interests you. 
what is tripping your trigger this week? What is tripping my trigger this week? Well, last week it would have been the Tebow stuff. That had me going a little bit. <laughs> this week, um, honestly, I mean, it's been a pretty good week. We've got Southern Hills. We've got all the golf stuff going. I'd say the thing that's triggering my, my trigger this week is that the Big 12 baseball tournament is going away. That's a bummer. It's a huge bummer. So what's, what's the schedule moving forward for the Big 12 baseball tournament in the coming years? Do you know? I don't know off the top of my head. I'll try and find it. But I believe it's moving to, to Frisco, right? To Frisco, the new Texas Rangers uh, baseball park. Yeah, and that's a huge, huge bummer for me. Not getting to go this year because I'm going to be at Southern Hills every day. And just Bricktown has been so good, I think, for Oklahoma State baseball because the fans have really shown up to Bricktown. And that's turned into – you know how uh, the Big 12 basketball tournament is like Iowa State South? The Big 12 baseball tournament is kind of Stillwater South. You know, that's – people show up and the, the players feed off that. You get great moments like what happened with Trevor Boone a couple of years ago. So, I think just the fact that it's, it's here and I'm now remembering once again that it's going away, that's, uh, that's what's triggering me on this Wednesday. Yeah, it's a three-year re relocation to Arlington, the new Globe Life field down at and josh holiday josh holiday gave some quotes he's not happy about it. he says i wish it was in oklahoma city or tulsa i'm from oklahoma i'm i'm at oklahoma state i like it here it's been here forever i get why it's moving to dallas but there's something about bricktown even tulsa the one year it was there where it felt collegiate i like what the collegiate feel for the kids is the size of the stadium amount of people in the crowd the traditions and the tradition's pretty deep colby bricktown has hosted all but four seasons of the tournament since it was formed the Big Eight had it in Oklahoma City each year from 1976 to 1996. So that, that's a lot of history uh, going by the wayside. So I'm with you. That's that's a sad deal. So what's uh, what's tripping your trigger today? Uh, well, I was going to say the, the commercial that they won't quit running on golf and everything else with a hood ornament singing and the guys singing in the car. Like, I, I'm so tired of that commercial. But what's actually tripping my trigger in a, in a good way is Brooks versus Bryson. The Ooh. video that surfaced. I mean, if you haven't seen it, I encourage you to go look at it. Uh, Brooks Kepka is just rolling his eyes in dis disgust because Bryson's nearby. Bryson walks by with his metal spikes and Brooks cusses and they 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 stop the interview and have to redo it. But it, it somehow surfaced on social media. And this is what golf needs, Colby. They need more rivalries. I don't know why the PGA Tour won't just embrace this and pair them together. I saw Brooke, or I saw uh, Bryson and Aaron Rodgers are going to do a match against Phil and Tom Brady, kind of like how they did last year with, with Tiger and, and those guys. But just I just want to see a match between Brooks and Bryson. Let them go at it. I love it. Yeah, I love it too. And the thing is, the USGA would not even have to manipulate the groups to put Brooks and Bryson together. Put your last three U.S. Open champions in the same groups. That's Bryson DeChambeau, Gary Woodland, and Brooks Kepka. You wouldn't even have to manipulate it. It's so organic. You can just pair those three guys together. Now, we all get to take a minute and feel bad for Gary Woodland that he kind of gets to be the middleman there and uh, play, play Mr. Referee as those two try to box going down the fairway. But you wouldn't even have to manip manipulate it, and it would be a ton of fun. Lean in to the golf rivalries. Lean into them hard. Absolutely. That, that was – that was so great. I, I love Brooks, but uh, Colby, enjoy your time up in Southern Hills. I can't wait to watch the, the Cowgirls go for a national championship tonight out in Greyhawk and Scottsdale. So have a good weekend. Colby, I'm actually leaving the country next week. I'm flying to the Dominican Republic for a week. Me and my fiance, we're going on a trip. She just graduated from PA school. We were supposed to get be getting married in May. That didn't happen due to COVID. 
but so we're taking kind of a graduation trip. So probably no podcast next week, but uh, I'll be much more tan, rested, and ready when I, when I get back. Well, tell your uh, fiance congratulations, and y'all have fun. Hopefully, when you get back, we will have uh, – I mean, by that point, we can have two national championships to recap. If the women get it done today, the men start Friday and go through next Wednesday at Greyhawk. So, in a perfect world, you'll come back from the DR, and we will have two Oklahoma State Golf National Championships to recap. I need it. That would make the last two years of – year and a half of COVID all the much better. Waiting for a national title would be great. Uh, first female national championship would be awesome as well as the men's golf team so looking forward to it colby thanks as always and we'll catch up when i get back absolutely go folks